Man, I want to uh, celebrate with you something that is extremely exciting to me. Now, throughout my ministry, I want to do everything I can to make a big deal about the main thing. And it was exciting to me to find out that this has been a big part of Grace Point Church of the Nazarene. In fact, today I want to bring back a tradition that probably is not new to a lot of you, but it's very important to us. And uh, what I'm suggesting that we do is every time that we see somebody who accepts Jesus Christ for the first time, the light of Jesus comes on in their life, that we light this candle symbolizing that light of Jesus coming on. Now, it's awesome for me to report to you that this weekend at VBS, we not only had water tag. I'm told that was pretty awesome. We not only had good crafts, we not only had good snack, but we had 13 of our children rededicate their life this week. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. And I want you to celebrate with me. There was an additional 30 children who accepted Jesus Christ for the very first time this week. Amen. 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 Now, kids, I, I know you haven't said it at all this week, but I want to try one more time. No matter who you are, what do we do? From everywhere. There's some here and they're all over the place. Now, I may say that a couple times, and I want to hear you scream it out at me, all right? So this is full-on permission to scream in church, all right? But you've got to wait until I say, no matter who you are. Perfect. Thank you so much. I want to continue this morning as we've been learning about trusting God with some interesting words that I guess come from a surprising source. I don't know if you've heard of the great theologian 50 Cent or 50 Cent. Anyone? If you haven't heard of him, then you're in good company with me. He's a rap artist, and I don't know if he really subscribes to his own words that he was quoting, but they're wise words that he was quoting. And here's what he said the other day, talking with Oprah, of all people. He said, if you're going to pray, you have to choose if you're going to pray or worry, but don't do both. I thought, that's pretty good. I don't know if he's living that out himself. Maybe he is. I don't know. But pray or worry, but you can't do both. If you pray and then you begin to fret, what do you think God feels about that? God, I need your help. I need you to show up. But I'm not so sure that you can handle it, God. So I'm going to worry. I'm going to fret. I'm going to take care of this in my own strength. You can pray or worry, but you can't do both. No matter who you are, we need to what, kids? Oh, I was afraid you were asleep already. Good job. Way to go. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. We'll be there in just a minute. But one of the difficult things about the subject of prayer, we started last week, and this is our second week, and a call to prayer. We looked at what a life of prayer would be for us to live a life of prayer this week to step up in prayer. One of the difficult things about talking about the subject of prayer is it seems that prayer by itself is a big enough goal. I mean, to live a life of prayer, that's a pretty lofty goal in and of itself. And I have a great concern this morning. I have a great fear. My fear is this, that you will leave today and you will be committed to just pray more. You say, well, that sounds pretty good. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid today that you will leave and you will desire to just be more organized in your prayer. You'll be more lengthy in your prayer. You'll be more sophisticated in your prayer. You see, I'm worried that when we're done, we might think that the end goal is prayer itself. The destination is just to pray. If I'm honest with you this morning, 
if our end goal when we leave today is just to pray, we're really no different than the world around us. You see, we live in a world where people all around us pray. Hindus pray, Buddhists pray, Muslims pray. Right now, even Oprah prays. I guess 50 Cent is praying now, too. If our goal is to become a man or woman of prayer, that's just too small, too superficial. If our goal is simply just to pray more, that is just targeting being more religious. See, the difference that we need to have is not just that we are committed to prayer, but we are committed to connecting with the one true living God, hearing from Him and doing what He says. I want to take you to uh, a prayer meeting where Elijah is leading. And he's living out the principle that we've just heard, no matter who you are, what kids? Excellent. As we look at 1 Kings 18, Verse 16, we begin to see how he trusted God. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to them, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's command and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Verse 21 of chapter 18. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but do not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Verse 24, then you call on the name of the Lord, your God, or the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Then all the people said, what you say is is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, given them, and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. O Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. I love this part of the Bible. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. See, the world is full of people today who are praying. They're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong in who they're praying to. It's not just anyone can trust in whatever you want, but it's the truth that our kids have been learning. It has said, no matter who you are, trust who? Oh, you're getting sleepy. Good job. Hang in there. 
Trust God, that's right. The one true God, not just anybody, the one true God. See, there are many people who pray in different religions, different forms to whoever they would like to. And even more sad, there are millions upon millions of people who claim the name of Jesus Christ, but never really connect to the one true God. See, they cry out, but they never connect. My concern today is that we make our goal to pray, allowing ourselves to live in a hollow shell of religion. The true mark, if you like to take notes, write this in. The true mark of a follower of Jesus is not that they pray. The true mark is that God speaks to them and they obey his voice. And God hears and answers their prayers. See, there's a difference between one who knows God and one who is searching for God. There's a difference between one who connects with God and one who just cries out to God. And I love the way that Elijah breaks through in this prayer meeting. If you want to look at who's really fervent in their prayer... It's the prophets of Baal. I mean, they prayed and prayed and prayed. Scripture said they prayed all morning till noon. And then they prayed all the rest of the day. I mean, they really, really wanted to connect to their God. They did everything they thought would be sincere to to suffer before their God. They shouted. They danced. They had these extreme measures to try to experience their God. But Scripture says there was nothing. It was silence. You ever felt that way? You prayed and you prayed. Maybe if you're just gut level honest, nobody's there. Nobody's answering. You're praying, you're, you're trying to do everything you can to get God's attention, but it's just silence. I remember being there I remember crying out to God year after year, saying, God, help me. And then I felt as if there was nobody there. I understand that feeling. The story continues on. Elijah taunted them. He said, shout louder. Elijah reminds me of an Old Testament Rush Limbaugh. I mean, he's, he's sarcastic and a whole lot of irritating all in one. I mean, he would just find the truth and he would just hone in on it and he would just stick with it. It is kind of fun for you and I to watch, but if you're the one that it's coming at, it's just kind of like, ah. I mean, he's really taunting them. He says, now, your God, he he must be deep in thought. Because you know God, they just got to ponder the whole universe. Your your God, you know what, he's probably busy. He's probably traveling. He's just really jabbing them. I mean, the most literal, coarse translation of this passage would, would, would say something like this. Your God... I bet he's in the john. He's in the bathroom. Because, you know, when a God has to go, a God has to go. And, you know, if you're calling out to your God and he has to go to the bathroom, then it's just a bad time. I mean, he's trying to come up with everything to throw at them. Your God is not there. Every excuse you come up with seems ridiculous. Where is your God? I wonder uh, how many of us today, if we're honest, would say, I feel like I'm wondering where My God is. You know, I could challenge us to hear God's call to pray, to be a people who live a life of prayer, who step up and step forward in prayer. And and you would strive to pray 15, 20, 45, hour and a half, whatever a day. But you'd say, you know what? 
It all falls short. I've tried that. It feels so empty. It's not that I want to be difficult, Pastor Brady. It's not that I don't want to get on board. It's not that I don't believe. It's just, to be honest, it, it, it just feels like no one is there. I understand that feeling. I've been there. You know, I, I didn't want to talk about prayer last week and this week because it's just an area that's so easy for me, or I'm just so disciplined, or I'm just some wonderful prayer warrior, I'm so responsible, or I've got some great prayer pattern we've never heard of. In fact, I share with you today, not out of my strength, but out of my weakness, I think I have functional ADD or something where God had to work really hard to get me to hear Him. But friends, I share this not because it's something I'm so wonderful at, but the truth in Scripture is all over the place. How many of you know this is not just a book of exceptions, but it's a book of examples of how God moved in the lives of His people, and He wants to move still today? Well, well, what happened with Elijah? Let's continue in verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. Verse 32 of chapter 18. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seahs of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. I wonder this morning if you're at a place where you say, I don't want to just be a man or woman of prayer for prayer's sake. I want to pray, live a life of prayer, step up in prayer that I may be able to hear God and do what God says. I want to pray so I can be obedient. How much time do we spend on all the formulas of prayer on how I'm going to talk to God and we spend very little on how I'm going to respond to what God says? God wants to speak to you. Now, I understand that there are some theologians that tell us and write to us that God does not speak to us in a personal way anymore. And I understand their writings, but the problem is I read what Jesus had to say about it before I read what they had to say about it. And and what the Bible says here in John chapter 10, verse 3 and 4 is this. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep Listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. God is longing to talk to you. God wants to speak to you. He wants to identify with you. His intention is for you and I to have such communion with him that his presence 
is so undeniable in our life. It's continuous. It's that life of prayer we talked about last week. His voice is real. He guides us just as tangibly and real as a shepherd guides his sheep. Do you believe that today? I I know we're supposed to say yes. But that's not what I meant to ask you. I meant to ask you, do you really believe that today? I mean, in your gut, in your heart, do you really believe that God hears you? I usually ask my daughter permission, but I didn't, so it's going to be forgiveness. Sorry, honey. This week, Caden has been learning to trust God everywhere. And so she went roller skating with some of those at Kitty Prep, and it was going really tough because the wheels were going every which way and she was flying everywhere. And no one told her that this should only work in one category of her life. And so without anybody telling her, she told me later, she said, Dad, I just began to trust God that he would help me with roller skates. Now, we have all kinds of books that say, well, God doesn't care about your roller skates. God didn't care about... She was taking God at his word. Kids, what did we learn this week? No matter who you are, do what? Awesome. No matter what happens, do what? No matter what people do, do what? Thank you. You see, for us to be a people who pray and expect to hear from God and expect to obey, it takes trust and it takes a willingness to obey. There's a difference between a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not just that they pray, but when they hear God, they obey. Look at verse 36 with me. This is very important. In verse 36, it says, I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your command. We get kind of nervous when we talk about throwing out a bunch of hoops for God to jump through, and God, you do this, and you come down when I command you, and and there's reason to have pause at that. Because you and I, we don't control God. He needs to control us. But he's saying here in verse 36, I didn't start this conversation. God started it. God, I'm just doing what you've commanded. You've told me to bring these people together. I'm just being obedient. This wasn't just out of some post-VBS experience that he's going to have some amazing prayer time. He had a life of prayer. He had a constant communication with God. And so when he heard God, he knew to obey God. And these bold things begin to happen out of his life of prayer. You see, what the world is looking for is not just people who pray, but people who hear from God and do what He says. The world around us is not just looking for people who know how to pray, it's looking for people who pray and they hear from God and they do what He says. I'll never forget Kevin and his story. I didn't know his name at the time. I was preaching in a young adult gathering in a room about this size and about this many people a little bit more and, and uh, there was a very large man on the back row. He was about 6'6", six, six, 300 pounds of solid muscle and he was sitting like this just staring me down. He was not very excited to be there and I could tell it. As soon as the gathering was over, uh, Darnell, who I knew, she came up to me, made a beeline to me and she said, I want you to meet this guy named Kevin in the back. As I walked with her, I thought, I'm not so sure I want to meet Kevin. He looks pretty large. He does not look happy to be here, and I'm not sure how this is going to go. But as we were walking, she began to tell me about her friend Kevin and that she had been praying to get him to come to church, and she had made a bet with him. He lost the bet, and his repayment on the bet was to come to church. Now, at this moment, I was wanting to talk to Darnell about gambling evangelism and how I was questioning if this would really work. 
But I couldn't get a word in edgewise because she was so intent on telling me that she had been praying for Kevin every single day. And finally this bet thing worked and he came to church. I got to know Kevin and talked with him a little bit. Cool thing was Kevin came back the next week. He still sat with his arms folded. But he came back the third week and he came back the fourth week and as I would do after each and every gathering I would say if there's anybody here who would like to have a relationship with Jesus and want to talk about that come up after the gathering I'd love to talk with you about that well Kevin came up and he found me he said Brady he said uh, I want to talk to you about knowing Jesus but I want you to know I've never heard God speak to me I began to talk to him to make sure we're on the same page. I said, you know, Kevin, God speaks to us through his word, and God doesn't speak to everybody the same way. And I said all these great churchy answers, and they're all true and real. But that didn't work for Kevin. He said, but I've never heard God speak to me in any way. He said, but I believe, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He began to grow in the Lord. But every week he'd come back, he'd say, hey, Pastor Brady, haven't heard him. Haven't heard him. And I loved his honesty and transparency. We could use a dose of that from Kevin, couldn't we? Wouldn't we just be real before God and each other? And Kevin kept telling me that. And, and finally I said, Kevin, why don't you come to a prayer meeting with us? He said, I'm not going there. I'm not praying out loud. I said, Kevin, just pray silently. That's fine. So he came and he took me up like really strong on the whole silent thing and like barely even got in the door and just sat in the back. It was a couple months later, we were going on a retreat, and Kevin came along, and there was a prayer meeting at that retreat, and we were following a biblical pattern of laying hands on, uh, laying hands on, on, on the sick and praying, and we were gathering together, and we were praying out loud together, and, and I, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, Kevin was not okay with this. This freaked him out. In fact, he let me know pretty loudly after. He says, hey, that goofy gopher dust, weird God thing, I, I, I knew this is strange. I said, Kevin, it's all right. You just pray however God leads you. He said, Pastor Brady, I believe in God, but I've never heard God speak to me. It was a day and a half later. I remember exactly where we're standing. I remember that, that time of day. He came up to me, and he came right at me. Again, I was scared. This large man is coming at me. Lots of muscle, lots of strength. He wanted to talk to me now. He said, Brady, God talked to me, and he wanted me to pray out loud at the next prayer meeting. And man, I am not doing that. <laughs> and I just kind of stopped. And I said, well, Kevin, I said, what, what did you just say? He said, Pastor Brady, God talked to me, and he wants me to pray out loud at the next prayer meeting, and I'm not doing that. I said, time out. What did you say? I told you God talked to me. Stop, Kevin. God spoke to you? Well, yeah. The creator of all heaven and earth, the one who created you in your mother's womb, and, and you got huge later, that, that God talked to you? Yeah. I said, Kevin, I, I want to hear the rest of it, but it's, it's pretty irrelevant. Because right now you have a decision to make. How are you going to treat the voice of God? Is the voice of God sacred, or is the voice of God meaningless? As we read on, this is an issue for not only the people then, but for us. You see, we have to watch out for hardened hearts and deaf ears. See, the issue for Kevin was not about praying out loud or silently. I hope you know that God can hear you however you pray. The issue was obedience for Kevin. The issue was he heard God tell him something, and was he going to obey or not? And the exciting part of the story, you don't want to know, do you? I'll just tell you some other time. No, the exciting part of that story, someone I forgot to tell them first service, and they about ran me down after. Kevin not only obeyed God, 
but he became a strong prayer warrior. Not because he prayed out loud, but because he heard God and he did what he said. Now, Kevin is one of my favorite people to pray with because he touched God, connected with God, before he picked up all these church phrases and lingo. And so when you pray with him, you're going to learn a few new ones. Uh, He didn't know what to string together between this and that and all these wonderful, cute phrases. He just goes after because he connects with God, hears him, and does what he says. But we have to watch out for hardened hearts and deaf ears. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 tells us, don't harden your hearts. As the Spirit speaks, you harden your heart when you disobey. We see the book of Hebrews tells us when God speaks and we obey, it it gives us a keen sense of hearing to hear the Holy Spirit. Friend, there's someone here today who's saying, "I, I just don't hear God speak to me. I want you to first know, I respect you greatly. I want to put you in the category of my friend Kevin. I I value honesty and transparency. Don't try to make it up. God is is more powerful than we can ever imagine. You don't have to muster up and make up something for God. Amen? But I want to challenge you that God wants to speak to you. And, And it could possibly be, it's not for everybody here, I know that. It could possibly be that it's not so much that you can't hear God speak. It may be where you're at where I was, that you don't like what God's saying. When I would pray and I would call on God and and I didn't hear Him speak, He had already spoken to me and I wasn't being obedient with what He already said. Some of us here, we heard from God when He said, I want you to make it right with your wife. I want you to apologize. Well, God, I want to hear about that. Sacred or meaningless? God, you're, you're calling me to share my faith and witness to somebody. I, I don't, that's not what I'm praying about. I want to know about what school to go to. Sacred or meaningless? What are we going to do when we hear God speak to us? God maybe is speaking to you about giving sacrificially. I don't know what God's speaking to you about. But I do know this. If you follow the pattern that many of us have fallen into before of being a disobedient to God, it plugs your ears and pretty soon you live that way and God appears to be silent and you appear to be deaf. Church, for us to be called to prayer, to live a life of prayer, it's not just to go through a motion. It's not just to find a format. It's not just to carve out large chunks of time to be sincere before God. The prophets of Baal did that. But we need to hear from God with the commitment to do what he says. It's the extreme privilege in prayer that you can hear the voice of God and live in obedience to Him. Verse 37. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me, these people, so they will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. See, Elijah was a man who lived in the presence of God. He didn't do this out of his own strength to kind of muster God. This wasn't out of just some new enlightenment. He lived in a constant communication with God. And he said, God, you... Hold me to call them to you. So show up, God, and make good on your word. See, he pulls them together. And he says, prophets of Baal, come close. You've been praying all day. and Where's the power in your prayer? I want you to get close to me and observe as I talk to my God in prayer. Now, don't get confused. It's not about me, Elijah says. It's not about what I do. It's not about me starting this conversation. I'm being obedient to God. And, and my God loves me. And he speaks and he acts. And in verse 38 and 39, the end result of this passage and this message 
is that biblical God-centered prayer is that people fall on their faces before God and they say, your God is the one and true living God. And when we hear the call out over and over again to trust God, it's not just in some higher power. It's not just in whatever version you want God to be. It is in the one true living God. They begin to see who He is. Church, our nations are coming together. Religions are molding together. And people are praying all over the place. But my question is not, will people pray? But my question is, when the world looks at us, will they see the living God in our midst? My prayer for us as Grace Point Church of the Nazarene is not that the people in the community would say, Oh, I know Grace Point. They've just got some great preacher. I could care less. I have no desire to hear, oh, Grace Point Church of the Nazarene, they have amazing musicians. They have an amazing staff that's so talented. They have great programs that are just awesome. I mean, those are all good things, and that needs to be there. But my prayer is that we'll say, Grace Point Church of the Nazarene, those are the people who've been in the midst of the one true God. Those are the people who've experienced the living God. You can't counterfeit that. You can't mass produce that. You can't bottle it up. You have to be on your face before God, desperate in prayer. Verse 36. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. See, I think a lot of us, when we hear a call to prayer, when we're called to step forward, forward and pray when it's time to sacrifice we're not so sure we want to step forward when it's going to cost us our life we're not so sure that we're ready to step forward in prayer worse yet for us in western americans what's going to cost me my reputation i want to be viewed as one of those people the holy weirdos i mean come on god i i believe in you I've, I've memorized this, I've studied this, I, I hide this in my heart, I, I come to church every week, look at my gold star chart, I'm doing pretty good. How much more should we be at the front of the line to say, this is not just something that happened, this is something that is happening, and we need to communicate with the one true living God. It takes a sacrifice in prayer. Will we step up in the battlefield to say, I will hear God and obey we need to shift the discussion on how i pray what i do in prayer and turn it to god what are you saying and how can i obey i want to thank you for your attentiveness kids you have done awesome today as we close here's my simple challenge I do not want you to respond just because I'm asking you to. In fact, I have great respect if you go, Hey, Pastor Brady, I love you. This is a great church. Or this has been my church home forever. I'm not so sure where I'm at on this. Just like Kevin, you just sit there. That's okay. But if you're here today and you're hearing a call, not from me, but a call from God to have a life of prayer and to step up and to pray, not just uh, the outward form, but say, I want to hear God and I want to commit before I hear Him that I am going to obey no matter what the cost is. If that's you here today, in just a moment, not yet, I'm going to ask you to stand up and stay right where you're at your seat, just to stand up. Now, don't do it yet. 
and I'm serious, if you're not sure about this, you just stay seated. I don't want this to be some move out of emotion. But if we are here and we want to be counted before God, not me, not the person to your left and right, but for God, to hear you and to see you say, Abba Daddy, everything that I have that I bring to you is yours already. But I'm ready to not just go through the motions and talk to you before we eat, before we go to bed. But I want to hear what you have to say to me. And I'm telling you right now, before I even know what it is, I'm going to obey. If that's where we're at, church, we need to hang on. Because God is going to breathe in the next wave of his work that he's been doing in this church for decades. This church is not broken. This church is alive. This church has had a message for the community decade after decade, but God is looking for a people who will say, I want to carry it on now. If that's you, and you want to answer that call to live a life of prayer and to step up in prayer and obedience, I want to invite you just to stand right now where you're at. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to call you out by name. I'm not going to have you come up here and talk in a microphone. I just want you to stand up before your God and say, God, I'm ready to call out to you in prayer. I'm ready to be obedient before you in prayer. If that's you, you just stand up. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for these, my friends, who have heard your word. And some, out of all honesty and sincerity in their heart, they say, I've got to ponder on this. I've got to think about it. God, I pray that you will bless them for their honesty today. We need more transparency in your church. Lord, I pray for those who have stood today. I pray that you will make good on your promise again. That your sheep will know your voice because they can hear you speak clearly. So God, we're calling you on your word. Talk to us. And we're committing that we want to obey whatever you say to us. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the opportunity to be a part of of what it is that you're doing. It's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. Church, I want to thank you for your awesome attentiveness. I want to invite you back tonight as we have an awesome speaker coming. It's going to be a great message. Next week we have a special missionary uh, coming, uh, Pastor Rex Lane and Janelle Fosnall. And uh, if you would like to come prepared, we want to bless them with a great offering. And so if you'll come prepared for that, if the Lord puts that on your heart, that'll be an exciting time. Have a great afternoon. If you don't have lunch plans with somebody, find someone, get to know them. Go Dutch if you have to. That's fine. You don't have to pay for them. God bless. See you next week.